You are listening to Pastor Don Cherry from Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church, recorded on January 24, 2021. For more information about our church, visit our website, svbcfamily.com, or find us on all things social at svbcfamily. Mark's Gospel, Chapter 1, and we are going to finish uh, that chapter. We're going to begin there in verse 35, if you'll follow along with me, please. And uh, we're going to go down to verse 39 at first, and then we'll read uh, the rest of the chapter momentarily. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he, speaking of Jesus, went out and departed into a solitary place, and there prayed. And Simon... And they that were with him followed after him. And when they had found him, they said unto him, All men seek for you. And he said unto them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. And he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and cast out devils. Now if you remember, the Gospel of Mark presents Jesus basically on the move. Okay? Mark is going to emphasize his actions as opposed to Jesus' words. If you go to the Gospel of Matthew, you'll find the Sermon on the Mount. You'll find the Olivet Discourse where Jesus did, you know, the teaching on the second coming and such as like that. You'll find those there. But you won't find that in detail here in the Gospel of Mark because Mark's purpose is to present Christ as the great worker, okay, The, the great servant. Jesus himself said, I've not come to be served, but rather to serve, okay? And he's doing this by example. So this is not classroom instruction. This is on-the-job training, okay? He's calling his disciples together. You come after me. Here's what we're going to do. You're going to learn by example, all right? So that's what the Gospel of Mark is pretty much about. But if you'll notice here in verse 35, says, rising up a great while before day, he went out and he departed into a solitary place, and there he prayed. What does it sound like Jesus was doing right here? Anybody? Yeah, it's kind of like maybe he's having his devotional time. Isn't that how it is with you? Uh, Now, let me ask you, how many of you are morning people? Okay, you're morning people. All right, we've got some. How, How many of you are more evening people? Okay, we got some there. How many of you don't know what you are? Okay, there we go. Got some of them don't just don't know where we're at at this time. I'm a morning person. Okay, uh, I I just have to get up. That is my time when my mind is most clear. You know when you don't have the distractions. You know of the day, and you can just kind of focus. You know on there what you're doing. And so I think here, you know, uh, this is what Christ was doing. But also, I want to go back a little bit too, because if you remember. And oh, now Mark doesn't elaborate on the details, but if you remember very early when Jesus began his ministry, he had that 40-day confrontation with Satan. You remember that? And everything where Satan took him and tempted him and such as like that. And after that 40 days, the Bible said, man, the angels came and they ministered unto him. Because let's face it, he was probably well exhausted, okay? Not as God, but as man, you know, going through this. So he was well exhausted. He was kind of warped. And so here we see that he's taking time to get alone with God, to spend with his father and everything, and just get refreshed and just get refueled, you know. 
Um, this last week while I was traveling, about, about the time I got just south of Lynchburg, Virginia, and then coming up this way, kind of the sky broke. Man, it was beautiful. The temperature's up around 50. It was just a beautiful, beautiful day. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to roll the window down a little bit. Of course, you know how that sounds and everything. You hear that sucking sound, right, as you're driving and all goes, uh, as the air goes by. And I, th that's kind of how I see, how I saw 2020. You know, just like 2020 kind of sucked a lot of things out of things. It sucked the life out of things, you know, our, our schedules got all messed up, and here we are with this new normal and everything. It just seemed like everything got off kilter, and that reminded me of that. Just, you know, everything kind of getting sucked out, getting sucked away and such. And folks, the, the, the point that I get in this is if we, if we are not determined, if we are not dedicated to having that time with our Heavenly Father, where we can be refreshed, where we can be renewed, where we can be strengthened and such. And let me tell you something, everything, we're going to get sucked out. We're going to get sucked because this world, that's all it's doing, you know, is just pull, pull, pulling life and one thing after another away from that. But we can find refreshing, we can find strengthening, we can find encouraging in the Word of God. And I think Jesus here has given us a little bit of an example of that to take that time to make sure that we have that time to grow in our daily walk with the Lord. So now, if you'll notice, too, you now Jesus said in verse 38 and 39, and everything, we need to go to the next towns. It is for me to preach there. And then it says that he went into their synagogues and throughout Galilee, and he cast out devils and did various different things here. What we need to understand, you know, I think, is Jesus just didn't come on the scene as another rabbi, Okay. He just didn't come on the scene and say, hey, listen, I'm holding meetings over here. All of y'all that want to come, come, and I'm going to teach you some things. But what we see in Jesus' miracles and everything is he was putting proof behind who he was. Okay, It wasn't just sitting back and teaching, but he was, he, he was giving evidence of who he was. So now people are saying, hey, listen, there's this new guy on the block. He's a pretty good teacher. Let's go see what he's about. No, here comes a guy that he is doing some things we haven't seen. We haven't seen in our lifetime. He has cast out demons. He has uh, 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 raised up uh, Peter's mother-in-law and all who was sick and everything of fever. She was burning up, but he healed her right there. And so by virtue of those things Jesus did, it verified to the people who he was. So now here's the question for you and I. Here's the question for you and I. What do our works say of our words? We can sit back and say, I'm a Christian. We can sit back and say, I go to Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church. We can sit back and say, I have five Bibles in my house. We can say all these things. But what is our life speaking? Is our life backing up the words that we say? The old saying, I guess, used to be maybe some of you... Uh, I, I gotta get used to this. I keep saying some of you older folks, and I'm one of the older folks and everything. So anyway, and all, but some of you may remember that saying, proof in the pudding. Remember that? Okay. That's what Jesus' life was. His life was proof in the pudding. Not just what he was saying, but he was backing that up by what he was doing. And folks, that's where we were at. What did James tell us? He says, you say you have faith, but I will what? I will show you my faith. How? By going to church every Sunday? No, but by my works, by my life, 
by that how, by how I serve. There's the evidence of who I am, you see. And Jesus is giving us this in his life. And I'm not just telling the disciples, listen to what I say, but look, do what I do. Follow what I am doing here. And so, let's move on now. Let's pick it up in verse 40, and we see here where Jesus heals a leper. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him and kneeling down to him and saying unto him, If you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him and said unto him, I will be clean. And as soon as he had spoken immediately, the leprosy departed from him and he was cleansed. And he straightway charged him and forthwith sent him away and said unto him, See that you say nothing to anybody, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. <laughs> but he went out and began to publish it much and to blaze abroad the manner insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in desert places, and they came to him from every quarter. So here we see another miracle that Jesus is doing in healing of a leper. Now, as far as I know, leprosy is pretty much a disease that has been uh, eradicated. However, in India, as far as I know, in India is the only leper colony left in, all, in the entire world. They still have that over there. Leprosy in Scripture is also a type of sin because leprosy starts out small, and then it begins to work its way and decay, all right? And all it starts off like the end of the fingers, the end of the ear, the end of your nose, the end of your toes, and then it works its way, and it begins to eat the flesh and such, okay, as it works its way. And that's what, how sin works. That's how sin works. Sin starts out small, but then it begins to grow and it begins to develop as we become more engaged with it. You know, i got to tell you something. I have never, I've never run into a person and all who was born an alcoholic. But I have run into people who started to drink and became an alcoholic, you see. I've never run into anybody and everything who was just, just lived a life of crime. They were born that way. But I have known people who started with little things and then it blew into bigger things, you see. And that's how sin works in our lives. It, it kinda, if you'll think of it as a snowball. It's a snowball rolling down a hill and just picks up momentum and everything unless, unless we trust Christ and everything where we can, where, where, where we can uh, slow that, that rolling down. So here we see leprosy as a type of sin. And notice how the man comes to Jesus. He comes kneeling. He didn't walk up to Jesus, throw his arms around him, pat him on the back, you know, or fist bump him or anything like that. And all he was kneeling, which is a position of contrition and humility. It's a position of contrition and humility. In other words, this man recognized Jesus for what he had already done. Yeah, this guy, he's beyond the rabbis. He's beyond the scribes. This is something else. And notice, he said, you know, just like you did for those other people, you can do for me if you want. If you will, you can do the same. You can heal me like that. And then we see here that Jesus was moved with compassion. 
I want you to go back with me, if you would, to uh, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9. Matthew, chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Well, if I get over to chapter 9, it'll help. There we go. Matthew chapter 9, beginning in verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues. Isn't that what we kind of read in Mark chapter 1? Isn't that what he did? He went about the whole countryside, went to their synagogues and such, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted. They were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Let's just go ahead and stop right there. Compassion. Compassion is not feeling sorry for somebody. Compassion is being willing, being willing to alleviate what they're going through. It's being willing to meet a need. It's being willing to alleviate suffering. It's being willing literally to invest yourself in a person. It's real easy to sit, sit, sit back and say, oh, man, I feel so man, I feel bad about that. But what are you doing is compassion directing you to help alleviate what that person is indeed facing. Are we willing to do it? That, that, that's the example Jesus gave us. Jesus wasn't just going to these places so he could make a name for himself. He wasn't going to these places just to establish a religion based on him. He was going because he saw the people as sheep. They were scattered. They didn't have a shepherd. They, they were they're just going hither and yon. And, you know, that we can kind of relate that to our culture, our society today. It seems like people are just doing their own thing. They're going their own way. You know, they're just following the schedule and all. And sadly, many Christians, we're doing the same thing. We get caught up in the same stuff. And yet God has left us here you know, to look out under the fields because Matthew chapter 9, that's what Jesus said. He told him he had compassion. He said, but look, look out on the fields because they're white under harvest. Pray that laborers would come forth, go into the field and reap the harvest. Share the message of the gospel. Share that there is hope in Jesus Christ. Folks, listen, I know I'm preaching to the choir this morning and everything, but we understand there's no hope in our government. All right? There's no hope in our education institutions. Okay? There's no hope in our athletics or anything. No hope in that. Matter of fact, you might have seen where and everything where now it's permissible and everything to, for boys another thing to compete on girls teams I guess girls compete on boys teams I don't know how that's going to work out you know we sit back and we say oh that's terrible and everything yeah but we can't just sit back and say that's terrible we have to be willing to to get involved you see we have to be willing to know what we believe and be willing to share that with other people we have to be willing. That's what Jesus was talking about, that there will be those going into the harvest field and being an example, being a witness, being a light, that there is hope. But it's not in an institution. You know what? It's not in the church. It's not the church. Hey, let me tell you something. There's no hope being on the rolls of Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church. But there is hope in Jesus. There is hope in Christ, the Messiah, you see. And that's where the hope, that's the hope that we have to share. 
So notice, Jesus told this leper, I do well. And he touched him. And his leprosy was healed. He was cleansed. And there is another lesson for us, folks, and everything, that the cleansing of sin comes through Christ and Christ alone. Okay? It's not through baptism. It's not through taking communion. It's not going through Bible study on Wednesday nights. It's in the person of Jesus Christ and faith and trust in Him and Him alone. We understand that. If we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. Now listen, and the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. Why did Jesus heal this man? Well, the Bible says it's not His will that any should perish. But all come to repentance. Jesus said, all those who come into me, I will in no wise cast out. And then one of the songs that every one of us were raised on. If you've been in church in any length of time, have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you? There you go. There you go. Didn't say anything about church membership, did it? Not a thing. You know what? It didn't even say about reading your Bible daily blood of Christ cleanses us. Folks, may we never reject that. You know, I don't know what's going to happen down the road. I'm guessing. My opinion. Do what you want with it. I'm guessing, but I, I, I believe we will probably begin seeing more government intrusion into the church. Could very possibly be where they come along and say, you can teach this, but you cannot teach this. You must celebrate this, but this is no longer viable. And you know what? If you get right down to it, when you talk about the blood, that's offensive, isn't it, Brother Sanford? People don't want to hear that, man. I don't want to hear this blood stuff. Man, tell me something good. Give me something squishy. Give me something I can feel good about when I walk out. And, you know, like that. I, that, that. That's what I want. But without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. And that is the message of the gospel that people must hear and people have. There may come a time when we can't, hey, you know what? We can't offend people. So if you want to talk about God's love, that's great. But you know what? You stay off that blood stuff. You stay off that judgment stuff. You know, you stay off that eternal stuff. Let's just kind of get squishy and feel good, okay? Well, all I can say and you know, you never know what you're going to do until it happens, right? But I guess right now, all I can say is that is the case. And they decided to jail pastors that do that. I hope some of y'all come see me. Because I'm just <laughs> yeah. yeah. I can tell you this there'll be me and a bunch of other brothers in there, in a thing, because there's some wonderful men of God in all that are still proclaiming the precious gospel of Christ. So Jesus gives this man a charge. He tells him to keep quiet, except go to the priest. Okay? Now the reason he's quiet was basically, listen, it's not my time yet. I'll reveal myself when it's my time, but right now don't and everything, because what's going to happen is what happened. You know what the people do when they found out about this? You know, they all came and just got to the place where Christ had to, he had to leave, basically. But when he said go to the priest, that's a reference to Leviticus chapter 14. That when a person was cleansed leprosy, back under the law, there's two things they had to do. 
One is they had to offer sacrifice, acknowledging that God did the cleansing. Okay? They had to offer sacrifice, and then show themselves to the priest, who would then declare themselves clean. Because lepers, keep in mind, lepers did not walk among the people. They were separated. They were kept separated. This group didn't go there, and they didn't go here. They were separated. But now, being declared clean, they could come back to society and be an active part of society. And so Jesus, in acknowledging that, gave validity or showed validity to the law. And you think, well, what's the problem there, Pastor? Because, I mean, the Old Testament, that's the Word of God. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. What's the problem? You know, there is, there is a movement today in churches to divorce themselves from the Old Covenant, saying that, listen, we don't need to go to the Old Covenant. The old, it, it, it's old. It's served its part. We don't need that anymore. Let's just stick here to the new. Well, if all Scripture is given by God and is profitable, that includes the Old Covenant. And we can still learn from that. We can still gain lessons of faith from that. And we can still have validity of our faith and all by the Old Testament. You know, in some ways, I really can't blame this fellow. The Bible doesn't say how long he had leprosy. Did he have it for a month? Did he have it for a year? You know what? It doesn't give that. But all you know is that, you know, leprosy was pretty much a death sentence. Okay? Once you got it, that's it. You know, unless God intervened, miracle, you're not getting healed whatsoever. So this man is healed. And it says in verse 45, he went out. Not only did he begin to publish it much, but look at this word, and to blaze abroad the matter. Man, you know what? He became a fiery witness for Christ. He became a fire. Man, you got to see, you got to come see this guy. You got to come hear this guy. He is, he is something else. He is something else. You know, it's hard to keep quiet when God's at work, isn't it? It's hard to keep quiet when God's at work. But, you know, I, I think in some ways we become spoiled. You know, it's almost like we expect God to write something in the sky, in the clouds, you know, or maybe to shake the ground beneath us, you know, or whatever it may be like that. But if we'll stop think God is working each and every day. He's working each and every day in our lives, in the kingdom. You know, people are getting saved all the time. Maybe we don't haven't seen a lot of people saved here recently and everything, but you know what? Around the world, people are getting saved. I was talking to a pastor here this last week, and everything. In one of the one of the areas where the church is experiencing tremendous growth in the world today is China. It's China. Now they can't meet. We are. They can't open this book like we do. But people are coming to faith and they are meeting. They are coming together. And the church is vibrant and alive in a place that, that, that is diametrically opposed to it. But yet showing the power of God is greater than the power of man. Amen. God's working, people. God's working. And just the fact, you know what? Just the fact that we were able to come today, that our doors are open, that the heat's on, and that every one of us in here is upright. You know what? I think God's working. God is blessing. 
And let's not take the days for granted. Let's not sit back and wait for God to blaze something in the clouds or whatever like that. Let's look at each and every day as a gift that God has given and be thankful for that gift. So Jesus acknowledged the old covenant, gave validation, the worth and purpose of the Word of God. And folks, that's why it's so important that you and I as believers today that we take intentional time. If we go back there to verse 35, take that intentional time where we are spending that time with our Heavenly Father. Say, Pastor, you don't understand. I have to get up at 5 o'clock and go to work. Okay, get up at 4.45. You know? I mean, I told Sunday school class this morning and everything that, you know what, whatever's important to you, you'll find time for. You'll find time for. I have to get my stuff. I have to admit, I have to. So I have to get up early. If I try to do this at night and everything, especially after the sun goes down and everything, my wife's waking me up and say, "Go to bed." <laughs> yeah, I'm asleep somewhere. You know. But you understand what I'm saying? How important is that time with you and your heavenly Father? Having that time of communion where you can hear from Him, where God is speaking to His people, and we're seeing God work ways. I want to encourage you about reading chapter 2 for next week as we'll continue to break down as we go through the gospel, gospel of Mark. You know what? We may be in this thing all year in a thing, but um, oh well. Praise the Lord. Amen. Everything, we'll go through His Word. We'll learn from Him. We'll see Him as our, as our example and the one that is high and lifted up and rightfully adored. Bow your heads if you would please with me.